In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network and sponsored by Anderson Hauser, your reliable U.S. and internationally based partner for measurement, instrumentation, services, and solutions. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. Also, check out our complete lineup of oil and gas podcasts by going to OGGN.com and clicking on the Find Your Podcast link. And if you enjoy this podcast, and we hear from a lot of you who do, and we certainly appreciate that, especially leaving us reviews on iTunes or a lot of activity on LinkedIn, please tell Anderson Hauser thank you for sponsoring the show by going to our OGGN Anderson Hauser website, which you can find a link to in the show notes, and register for our monthly giveaway there. Also, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and that contact info you can also find in the show notes. Today, we have on the show Sean McCoy. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you know, it's my pleasure and my honor to be here, buddy. I love your work, what you're doing, and just anything I do to contribute. I, I love the opportunity. Thanks. Well, you're actually contributing because you're actually the first guest for 2022. Oh, well, I'll, I'll take it. That sounds like a good place to be. There you go. Well, you know, <laughs> I tell you what, with believe it or not, a couple of weeks ago, I sent out about a dozen invitations to people. I actually met a lot of folks at the uh, World Petroleum Congress. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. then I went, I went to another Congress that was kind of a subset of that, an, another forum that was a subset of that. And so I had lots of interesting people. And of course, I sent out all these invitations during the holidays. <laughs> Nobody started responding until this week. So I was, I was stuck last week with having, having to do a solo show. Although I, I want to tell everybody, if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to it. We talked about the 10 most common violations that OSHA reports as far as safety hazards go. Mm-hmm. And there's a Mark Twain story in there that's it's actually worth the price of admission right there. But, you know, most of the time, my job is to make sure that my guest isn't nervous. In fact, I, I have someone that is supposed to come on the show. I think they have a very great story about safety training programs and stuff, but I just can't, they're just too nervous to come on the show. So my job is to try to keep, make them not nervous, but Sean, I'm nervous today (laughs) because I don't usually, I did one podcast with one of our OGGN host, Warren Spiewak, and he was actually kind of a moderator. He was just introducing actually the guests that I have on. And of course, Mark LaCour and I have done some podcasts together, but that was his co-host. I've actually never interviewed another OGGN podcast host. So you and Eric Johnson were the OGGN podcast host for the ESG podcast called Elevate. Is that correct? You got it. Yes, sir. And yeah, hey, we're, you know, as you know, at OGGN, we're like a family. So I definitely don't want to make you nervous. I love what you do and how you, you just have a sense about you that makes it easy to want to talk to. So yeah, I could do this really easy on my side. So there's no worries. Please don't feel on the other side, any kind of pressure because I love what you're doing and I can't wait to contribute. Well, let's talk about the Elevate podcast sure. because actually the last episode I think was summertime of last year, 2021. Is that right? Correct. So this is a very interesting story, kind of ties into everything actually. So the first episode we did for Elevate in January of last year, a year ago now, 
was about the refinery of the future down at Texmark. And the companies that we featured were CBT and Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And to try to make a long story short, in August, I went to work for CBT as their solutions manager for worker health, safety, and security, which is why I'm on your show. But I got I got connected with them, and I literally got the job through the Elevate podcast in that first episode. I met Kelly Ireland, the CEO, and, and Rob Schaefer, who's the president and COO, and just fell in love with the company even back then. And so when things were – when I was looking to make a change back in the summer – I reached out to them because I was just so impressed with what they did and how they did things. And lo and behold, there was an opportunity there that I jumped on in August, which is also why the show went on a bit of a hiatus and a pause was to kind of you know let things settle. New, not only a new company, but I'm now technically out of oil and gas in terms of a direct company or a tech company that works in oil and gas. But I'm now officially, for the first time in the better part of two decades, technically out of oil and gas, saved my time with OGGN. So... You know, when you when you jump into this end of the pool and you have this media opportunity to connect over podcasting and meet people, just like anything else, it, it can it spurs relationships and connections, and it just it's just an amazing, rewarding opportunity not only to, to be a, a guest or a host, but also it can help you professionally. So, okay, so so, so CBT is not oil and gas. No, sir. Technically, we're a technology company. So that's where we're technology industry agnostic and then technology agnostic as far as that goes. And basically what we do is, is we're an integrator. And so, and so I know real quick before we go down that path too far, I know you want to know a little bit about the ESG podcast. So it's going to kick up probably again this year, the 2.0 here in the spring is going to probably launch. And then coincidentally, it's going to be, Eric's going to be the host of it. And then there's a different show that I'm going to host for OGGN. So there's actually a two for one. And he's going to, and they're probably going to go down more of the traditional kind of ESG information, ESG reporting, ESG, you know, kind of what's going on in the world today. Eric is an MA lawyer for Winston and Strawn. That's his base. That's what he does. He's on their ESG advisory uh, council. He leads that with uh, Mike Blankenship. And and he really cut his teeth with our podcast, and he's just a great guy to work with. And so he'll be able to launch that show in the spring individually. I'm going to help him and get things off. But then there's a show coming, and I can't say too much about it, but completely unique, completely different. But it's going to be a, a, a new show with OGGN that I'll host by myself. Well, that was my next question. It's a mystery right now, huh? Yeah. What's it? I can tell you off air, but I don't want to spoil it until it happens. But, <laughs> okay. All right. But it's, sounds- it's super, it's really exciting. And it just, again, goes to show you, you know, connection and people and, you know, using these airwaves and this opportunity. One of the things I love about podcasts is the chance to get to know people. And you feel like you do when you listen to them. And so to be able to do that in a different way, it's within oil and gas was going to be definitely, there's not a show out there like it. So yeah, it's going to be great. Wow. That sounds exciting. Well, everybody stay tuned. So if you were on the OGGN Elevate podcast, ESG, and you were talking to CBT, how do they relate or how did that relate to oil and gas? So CBT is an ITOT domain expert integrator, and that's really fancy terms for as the IT side of the, the house really does actually connect with the OT side, operational technology, that edge that's been invisible for a long time. And as you integrate any kind of technology, really, and innovation, there's an adoption and implementation process. There's a need to kind of coordinate. Everybody has their silos, and they're really good at what they do. And at the Refinery of the Future, what CBT was, was imagine they're the conductor of the symphony. 
So HP has their place that they play really, really well. Schneider Electric's over here and, you know, add in all your different companies and they all have their lane that they're really good at. You really ultimately need somebody to come in and understand the big picture and be able to help coordinate and bring everyone together and get all those different check boxes. It's almost like a big project manager. And so it just happens to be that Refinery of the Future is a, in the, it's a petrochemical facility down in, the, in Galena Park. And, and then what does it look like to actually bring in technology to be effective on the day-to-day and actually make a difference rather than just some neat shiny object on your desk that does cool things but you're not really sure what it means in the real world and that does parlay into especially on the hse side and parlay into those things because technology is not only pushing the opportunity to understand those areas better but those areas are actually asking for technology to become part of it so that they can they can do what they need to do better. And what I mean by that are simple things. The, the big impetus at Texmark was insurance premiums were going up and up and up. And the carriers and the companies were basically saying, we want to be able to, you keep telling us you're safe. You keep telling us you're doing these operations efficiently. You keep saying all these things. And it's it's all on paper and it sounds great. We need more. And so technology actually came in to be able to automate things and be able to do real-time analysis and computing and understanding and things of that nature and bring in things like video as a sensor Mm -hmm. to prove on a day-to-day and to have real-time data to back up these data sets or these, you know, these operational points so that a insurance carrier can feel good and feel comfortable from a risk and that risk mitigation standpoint to be able to write that policy. And that's a fundamental part of business. And it's a big part of the future going forward in terms of how technology is going to impact HSE and businesses in general and how they, and how they operate. And you actually had an insurance background as well, right? I did. I was actually, I toyed with for about a year in the commercial insurance side, which is really, it all kind of comes full circle for me personally. And so you understand, I understood that very well, you know, in terms of the way the carriers work, you know, worker comp and general liability and stuff like that. It's all risk mitigation based on data that they have. And so the opportunity for those carriers to be able to make a better decision, which at the end of the day can help them feel better about what they're doing and not just feel better around the table. That boils down to dollars. That boils down to, you know, how much premium costs. And so this isn't just hyperbole or some neat, you know, some nice to have, as I think a lot of times some of these metrics and some of the the aspects around EHS and HSE can be looked at. They were able to trust and then you can actually, and we're starting to see now, and I think the future is going to really show us that you can actually start to reduce premiums. You can actually at least impact them and you can actually, and what to be able to do that, you have to be able to give them something more than just end of the year audit or a quarterly audit or a look back at how well you've done and what are you doing right now at this moment to make that happen and how do you know? And I think back to ESG and it's something that stood out a lot all the course of that podcast and going as we, it's this funny thing is everybody's, oh my gosh, what's this new thing called ESG and everybody that's been in this world for a long time or even have a cursory, you know, secondary touch to it. It's like, what are you talking about? It's always been here. We keep changing the name. I know in your last episode that you mentioned, which was great, by the way, anytime you get a Mark Twain story, you know, it's going to be good. (laughs) And so I won't, I won't spoil it, but the opportunities for companies to make a real impact and to do something more with their data than just report it and be able to be, you know, and be proactive and what that looks like at the end of the day. And it's all changing so very rapidly. I can tell you this in a short period of time, again, only been there since August, but just watching 
basic technology improve light years in a period of six months, one piece of tech, and and then just the implementation of it and why that's all so important is because the days of just trusting and pushing the button or here's this report from back then or here's this, or we did training and as long as we do so many hours of training, that's the best that we can do to mitigate risk and, and numbers and that's how we improve those all have been effective. You know, we have, I mean, the industry, I was looking before we were doing this, you know, I was trying to make sure I'm not talking out of, you know, <laughs> both ends of my, you know, what, and, you know, you can find stuff out there. Yes, fatalities and injuries have gone down in the industry. Yes, these things have improved, but it's like anything else. You start fishing and you start, you start going a little bit further and there's ways that you can name stuff and all the rest of these things. And even tipping the hat and saying that those numbers are, are accurate it's kind of like I, I think about what my wife does around the world of pediatric cancer and right here in our own city of Houston, you know, Texas Children's Cancer Center. They've been at the forefront to reduce over the last 50, 60 years childhood cancer from fatality from 10% to an average of, you know, 80 to 85 overall. And some leukemia, some of those other areas, you can get to like the low 90s. And that's amazing, unbelievable improvement in a relatively short period of time. And everybody gets excited about that. But if you're a parent and I tell you, hey, it's at 90%, that's a 10% chance that they won't make it. That's not enough. And I know you preach this in your pod, and I know you believe this. We cannot rest. It's not. We can't just be like, well, that's good enough, or hey, it's only been this many. We have to constantly improve that. And how are we going to do that? And it's getting more and more scrutiny. And the ability to respond to those things, and how do you get those incremental changes? Because now we're getting into the tight end of the deal. Those small changes, you know, when it's a big number are easy to happen, but now we're getting into the minutia of it. And how do we continue to fine tune that? And I really, really believe in just a short period of time. And I have a history of understanding technology and we've all in safety and the rest of this stuff. The ability for us going forward to integrate technology. And again, it's one of those big phrases. Everybody hears that. And it's like, well, it sounds cool. But I mean, I'm talking about just all the sensors, all the anything you've ever seen in your career that's kind of like a hard engagement spot that you wrote on a piece of paper that you had to eyeball to see. Imagine being able to extrapolate that data out in real time accurately and constantly have it in front of you. And then you add in the IT side. This is really where we play and I get super excited around what I see is not only are we getting that edge computing, that edge connection, and the ability to bring that information in in real time, but now you can have analytics and computations, and that's where the things like artificial intelligence and machine learning come into it. You can now not only know what's going on in real time in that invisible workforce from before, but the ability to make responses and do something to react to that is all going to happen at the speed of at the speed of a CPU, if you will. And if you think about that and understand how those things converge and when they do, what that will allow a company to do from not just a, a safety and a health and an environmental standpoint, but how that impacts operations. I mean, when it's one of the big parts that it always seems like it's a nice to have, except when people really understand that those, your safety and, your, and how you address those issues impacts your culture, impacts your operations. Those are bottom lines. It's just sometimes hard to kind of connect that dot on an Excel sheet and a PL to showcase that, except when it's on the super extreme. And so we're going to so be able to like really put our finger on it and improve that and show it is, is going to be the way going forward. And definitely from an oil and gas standpoint, you know, we're always... <laughs> As you know, it's this weird dynamic of you know, we once it works one way, don't touch it, don't mess with it, don't change it, you know, let it let it ride. But the ability to improve these operations and do so with some and, and really be able to monitor and control it, especially when it comes down to just not just safety in a sense of 
you know, the, the fatality side, but just lost time injuries and just even worker health. I know in your last episode, you mentioned health and it can be one of those ubiquitous terms, but I think what that's going to migrate into and where companies need to start looking for is that's, that's operational efficiency of people, not just, you know, a pump or a, you know, a, a draw works or something like that. We're talking about how do you get the, the most out of your people? And I don't just mean, you know, having them on a job site for 10 hours so that you get six, six work, six hours of work out of them. Hopefully I'm talking about, so I look at it like a hockey team, like you're changing lines. And the reason they do that is because you got 30, 45 seconds at the most, and then you're spent and you got to roll off and you rotate through, even though you could technically still keep going. And so whenever we've playing that way, it makes sense. But if you're, I think technology is going to allow companies to look at lost time incidences and injuries and worker efficiency from a physical standpoint and really be able to temper that and understand it better and do more with it, which is going to affect everything else in a, in a beneficial way. So you mentioned your first podcast with CBT was at this refinery. Mm-hmm. So are they in a lot of other refineries and, you know, midstream facilities or not to that degree that we have there, but that's part of the future that we're going to, because in terms of, because we're also going to upgrade as part of it back to the 2.0, there's a refiner of the future 2.0 coming because the technology in just a short period of time, I don't want to say it's antiquated, but there's lots of rooms to improve, but we do operate in the oil and gas industry in different areas, all up and down midstream, downstream and upstream, but it could be, it could be more nuanced around things like, you know, wearables or systems of that nature that we've connected with. And then we're obviously expanding into that. We have our second largest concentration of people. The company's based out of California in Orange, but our second, and there's 20 of us there, and there's about 60 in the company. Next biggest group is in Houston. That's where you are. Yeah, that's where I am. And so the next biggest group is over here, and we recognize the opportunities. And as you know, I mean, it's such a massive industry, and there's so many aspects of it, even on the second side around the different streams. But that's the idea going forward. We definitely want to prove out a little bit more of what that 2.0, because what worked at ROTF the first time, you know, it's kind of like that, it's that opportunity that we're going to do that plus. And so instead of just repeating that over and over again, let's go from, you know, it's like the iPhone, instead of going from, you know, eight to a, to a nine, we can go from an eight to a 10. And so that's what we're looking at doing within the industry itself. And, and it's out there. I mean, I've been to conferences just in my short period of time. The oil and gas industry as in general is, is understands and is looking at technology to help in every, every possible way that, that it can. And one of the areas that it can is definitely around the HSC side. And so you're going to be able to bring these out on, on rigs? Depending on what it is, but yes. I mean, there's things like, you know, your class one div ones, all your different ratings, all your different requirements. Some technology has it, some doesn't. And that's, a, and that's as you can imagine, is a direct impact or, or direct. The reason why is because it's just designed in terms of the, the market. Some of these markets, you know, if a company comes up with a biometric device and they can use it, you know, on land, if you will, or in a construction environment or utilities, and the market's big enough, they don't need to go through the hassle. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just that it takes more to get a, you know, C1 Div 1 rating for something or, you know, or to be IS in, in the same capacity. So, so it's kind of a, it's a push-pull thing, and there, but there are some devices that specifically go after that market. And so what we really do is we're kind of like, the, I look at us like the bike shop. So when a company comes to us, we're, like I said, we're, we're agnostic and we're also not hogtied, if you will, to anybody specifically. Our goal is to say, is to look and see what is it that you need to do? And if you need C1, D1 or you don't or whatnot, what's the technology that can that can get you the results you want that, that integrates with the requirements and the specificities that you have, whether it's operational environment, from an environment standpoint or just what you want to get out of the 
technology to begin with because you can you can overload people with data i can get you you can hook up a digital device to the 115 outlet in your you know on your on a rig somewhere and how often does it being is it being used or how often is it you know electricity being you know through it different through the breakers or whatever else from the but that doesn't you know if that's not that valid information it's just garbage it's just too much and, and, and then even if you do do that, what does it mean? What can you do with it? So I think that's where the real the real challenge is going to be to understand, is to bite and understand that the company's going to have to invest in this and, and, and what it looks like. Because going forward back to ESG, the other side outside of insurance I always preach about is investing. You know, capital flight is a real thing. We talked about it all the time on the Elevate podcast, if you recall. And now when you go to the table to get to get investment dollars, yes, profitability and yes, all these other things in the, in the services and the customers and whatever that you have lined up is great. But they're going to start asking more questions like, okay, what from an ESG standpoint, what are you doing to minimize the impact on the environment? What are you doing from a social standpoint and from a governance standpoint, which those two areas kind of bleed into? Are you keeping your workers safe? And the days of guys and gals going to the rig site or going and operating to, at a job and being lucky to have it and being able to work and you know that sacrifice, if you will, that's kind of been on the table is going to become less and less acceptable, especially in, reg- in regards to severity. Giving up a finger or or getting hurt is not going to be accepted. It's never really been, but it's going to become even more so. It's going to impact all the way up the chain. And that and people, a lot of times I get feedback like, well, that may be the difference for a publicly traded company or something like that. Kind of, but your, you know, your, your other forms of investment are, are, are looking at that as well. Plus, if you're a supplier or you're a company that's working with a publicly traded company back in, I mean, back in the day when I was at Schlumberger, you know, the, being on the ASL at Schlumberger was like a goldmine to, to companies. Well, those come with requirements and you're seeing the bigger publicly traded companies pushing not because, you know, used to be on time and QC and all these other metrics that you would measure suppliers by. And you would mention uh, safety, this, that, and everything sometimes, but now it's becoming even more prominent and that bleed through, you know, if you will, to if it's required by, if Exxon is saying it and they're pushing it down to Schlumberger and they're saying it and they're going to push it down to their suppliers, yes, you may be a small company that isn't going to listen to anybody, but this may become part of This is going to become required as a part of doing business in the future. And I would argue, be proactive. And it doesn't have to be super complicated. It's one of the things that I talked to Cal Chambers, who has a show, does really well. Sometimes it, it, it is overwhelming. I'll be honest with you. And I think if you ask anybody out there, and I've talked to lots of talked to senior VPs at midstream companies at the conference, I could give a name, but I won't. But all the way down to just mom and pops, there's an aspect of being overwhelmed on a customer side for us. They see all these 85,000 shiny objects and they see all these amazing things and they see this cool stuff on LinkedIn and, you know, wow, that'd be really cool. And drones and whatever, you know, biometrics and how's all this, this is all cool stuff, but actually understanding how it's going to make a difference to them and where do they even step into that is really kind of the, it's the overwhelming part of it, which is goes back to the bike shop metaphor. So it's like when you get started on a bike, there's how many different bikes and what kinds and where are they? And this bike I saw over here was 500. This bike is 5,000. You know, why? What's it? Should I buy the $5,000 bike? I don't know if I can afford it. What if I can only afford two? I'm willing to put it, you know, and if you take that story and you just move it over, a lot of companies are dealing with that and, and don't know. We've had companies not, I mean, recently not inside oil and gas, but a manufacturing company literally sit down with us and not sit down physically, but on a Zoom and the CEO, good size, you know, 20, 30 million a year in multiple states, done really, really well. 
does their business well. CEO realizes 100%. We have, we are tech, you know, empty. We don't have anything hardly. We have some computers, but they don't have any idea. And they have no idea what they're supposed to do. Well, so and it's true in the oil and gas industry. I would think you, especially with your background and experience and everything, I would think there's a tremendous market over here on the oil and gas side. It is. And it's exciting because, I mean, look, I, my heart, you know, you can't, you can't be in the business as long as, as I was. And, and look at, I love the industry. I love the people in it. I'm very well aware of the history and, and know, and I can read all kinds of articles, but the men and women that I've worked with and come across overwhelmingly are the kind of people you want you know, beside you. And it's a, and at the same time, I think we as an industry have to acquiesce some things and we need to understand that we can do things better and not just talk about it. There's, there's lots of talk for lots of years. I, like I said, I was at Schlumberger, super involved in the loss prevention teams and all this stuff. I mean, I still reverse park <laughs> to this day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, I, and I left Schlumberger in 2009. That was 15 <laughs> years ago. So I still do it because it's a, it's a good way to do it. You know, we haven't, we haven't been tone deaf to safety, but that's not a time that you can't, but we can't rest. And we can't rest, especially as an industry. Is it fair that we're not looked at the same as other industries in regards to something like this? You can argue that either way, but it doesn't really matter. We're not. Anything, anytime something happens on our side that is, a, that is a detriment or a negative, it's going to be exacerbated. Oh, absolutely. And so, so if you want to just, and, and you can give me all the, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you can give me all the memes you want of how a barrel of oil is used on a day-to-day, and that's all true. But when you have environmental disasters, when you have people that have died, and that's the leading story, all those memes aren't going to help you. That's true. They're just, they're just not. They're just not, especially, and that's, and that's just on a broad sense. You still have a problem. In, you've, you've, I mean, the average cost, I know this because it's one of, the average cost of a lost life is like a million bucks to a company. So just money alone is detrimental. That's the one thing at Schlumberger, they, and it was the obvious thing. Yes, they wanted their employees to go home. Yes, they cared. They did. But they also understood that it's the greatest detriment to the bottom line is unforeseen accidents, especially around people. People are worth more than equipment. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was what always irritated me about the BP. Everybody talked about how much oil was spilled, you know, and I kept thinking about the 11 people that were killed and how their, how their families were impacted. Well, Sean, it, it sounds like you definitely have a handle on how this technology and the integration of IT and OT can definitely improve worker health, safety, and security. And I think it's, I'm glad to to bring you on and, and introduce this for the oil and gas audience. Thanks for taking the time. We'll be sure to include your current LinkedIn contact information with CBT, also their website in the show notes. So anyone listening can contact you directly for even more details. Finally, you can find in the show notes my LinkedIn contact info where you can message me. Please let me know what you're enjoying about the show and suggestions for content you might like to hear. Also, if you're looking for a speaker at your conference or meeting, and these are thankfully starting all back up again, don't forget about OGGN, their speaker bureau. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network and sponsored by Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement instrumentation services and solutions. We are your people for process information. As I mentioned, follow us on LinkedIn and also on Twitter. Please leave us a review and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.